Ushers? Maybe? All right. I don't do holidays particularly well. Uh, if you've known me for any length of time, you know that's true. Um, my life has just been on a whole different bent. Uh, I'm about trying to find relationship with God and, and communion with His Holy Spirit now. And oftentimes I look at other things as just getting in the way. It's not right. It just, that's the route I've gone. Um, I know that, you know, part of my push has been to find relevant expression for old truths. And so at times I tinker with stuff. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, my, my daughter was talking with me this week and she goes, I want my kids to love Easter more than any holiday because that's what it's all about. And I'm going, that's a really good insight. Uh, as often as not, I forget Easter until about the week before, and that's not good. Um, if you ask me what's transpiring my life, I can tell you. You know, I can tell you what's going on in my marriage now in, in regard to God and how he's teaching me yet. And in, in relationships with others. That's, you know, he's training me in things. This year, I got whacked in regard to symbolism and, and its effect in Scripture. And um, I was kind of preparing for Easter and, you know, the week before. And, <laughs> and uh, I had years ago done a study on the cross and kind of wrote it off as not all that important because um, it's listed maybe a dozen to 18 times. It, you know, that's not a lot for a word to be used in Scripture. And uh, so this time around, I'm, I'm kind of going through that, and uh, it, it dawns on me that Jesus put emphasis on the cross before he ever hung on it. That he was linking it to our lives long before he even hits his peak of popularity. You know, he says, uh, you need to be willing to take up your cross and follow me. And it appears that he has a, an intimate understanding of how he's going to die long before that takes place. And I'm sure he was processing it. Can you imagine even the humility of seeing that you're not even going to have the strength to carry it all the way, the, it all the way to Golgotha. You know, for a man, that'd be quite humbling. But even to walk through as a son of God to realize that I'm going to have to rely on someone else even to get my cross there. Um, so I started walking through that. And, and, uh, and then I'm looking at Paul, and in, in one passage, he goes, uh, you know, there's been a lot of chatter about who baptized who, and this and that, whether it's a good baptism. And he says, I don't even care who I baptize, I'm about the cross. And I'm going, okay, Jesus and Paul and John. <laughs> One of us is wrong. <laughs> it's not them. And so I'm having to sort that out. Uh, now, I do remind you that I don't think Paul was carrying a little cross on him. And I doubt that there was the physical symbols even being used at that point. 
but there was symbolic understanding attached to it right from the beginning. So that said, we come into this Easter season, and I'm still, to me, the power of the resurrection is a transformed life. And that's, you know, uh, what, in a sense, I, I still, I look at that, and I'm going, you know, even looking at the disciples and the transformation that took place in their lives, that to me is just so powerful. And, and I want to, to look at some of those things even today where, you know, in Isaiah, the, the declaration was made, he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, but upon him the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. You know, it's, there's an imagery that Isaiah sees and attaches and understands hundreds of years in advance, and then we see Christ walking that through. And, you know, it's powerful to, uh, to look and say, in the imagery of the cross and the understanding of it, was that there was a death that occurred so that you and I might live. There was a payment for sin. Again, more imagery. A payment was made so that you and I might be debt-free. There was, in that experience on the cross, there was an opportunity for the debt that we owed God because of our sin, the wrong we had, for that to be cleared, and for us to be at peace with Him and in, you know, the debt paid, like Adam declared. You know, it's finished. Paid up. Taken care of. And that's the joy that we have. I've asked a couple people, I asked a few people, one's sick today, but <laughs> I asked a couple people to share testimonies of their particular faith in God and some of their journey. And Corey, I'll start with you. And then Michael, why don't you come on up and have a chair and we'll have you share as soon as Corey's done. So I got asked to share a testimony, asked what kind, and he said it didn't matter. So I was like, crap, there's so many. But um, the one that God wanted me to share was like five years ago, there was, there still is a lot of healing, but we were really pressing in for like physical healing. And um, I had a small group and Hannah Holsworth, I'm going to get the details wrong because I don't remember details, but she had her back that was hurt. So every week, we like, in the beginning, I was all excited, like, let's pray for your back. And, you know, like, you're feeling God and blah, blah, blah. And, and the, so the first time she didn't get healed, we were like, cool. The next week, pray again. She didn't get healed. It was like a full semester, two semesters in a row, SLM group. Prayed, 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 prayed. Then it was the last, either the last one or the last couple ones in my group. Like, she said her back hurt, and I was like, I know, like, we keep praying for you, it doesn't work, okay? Like, honestly, <laughs> that was in here, but the leader was like, okay. Um, so, so my group's like, let's pray for you one more time, and I'm like, all right. And um, someone had the thought of maybe your legs aren't straight, or, like, one shorter than the other. So she sits up against the wall, and honestly, I'm kind of annoyed, like, this is annoying, you know? We've done it a lot, like almost literally like three months in a row. So we set her in, and my eyes are open. I'm not even praying. I'm just like, I'm just going to go with the flow. So her eyes are closed, and we're, we're praying, and um, 
I wasn't. I was just watching. And um, all of a sudden, they're praying, and, I, and I'm, like, watching her legs or whatever. Another girl had her eyes open, and all of a sudden, her leg just grew out, like, just like eating an apple. It wasn't, like, spiritual. It just happened, like, boop, her leg grew out. And I, <laughs> me and this other girl had our eyes open. We were, like, we looked at each other, and then I look at the, um, Hannah, and she started crying, but her eyes were closed. And so she felt it from her hip grew out. And um, I was kind of like, Lord, this is kind of old potatoes. Why are you sharing it this morning? And I felt like he said, you are um, one more prayer away from your breakthrough. Like a lot of us stop. Like I would have stopped if it wasn't for my group because it's like we pray because we're all really excited in the beginning and then we go, nothing, pray, nothing, pray, nothing. And then here was her miracle. And we all stopped where we're like, I did not feel it anymore. I didn't care about healing anymore, honestly. Like, I believed it, but I was like, it just doesn't work, okay? Like, it doesn't work. And you create theology from disappointment. So I feel like the Lord wanted you to not create a theology. And a lot of you, um, even the last decision you might have made, you messed up really big, and so you're afraid to make a decision, and you have to have, like, your toes crossed, fingers up, and like, okay, God, if you untie my legs, I'll go do that. And he's just like, standing over here, like, you can just come get it. You, you can just come get it. Like, you know, we're making it over spiritual, and it might just be that one more step, like really simple, like one more prayer to just get your miracle. So that was very good. Thank you. <laughs> My wife's the one that's sick, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm not going to tell her story because actually I can't. She's about the only one that can with all the nuances in it. Uh, uh, it was the summer of my 14th year. It was the evening, and uh, I was walking down the center line of a four-lane street, watching all the cars coming on and all the colors and all the rainbows and looking into a different world because I had I'd taken LSD 25 and back then it was uh, pretty powerful and I'm just cruised on down the four-lane highway there and uh, all of a sudden what broke into my uh, tripping was this music and so I started following the music you know made it across the lanes kept following the music following the music and it led me to this itty-bitty church, a traditional one, you know, one with the steeple and uh, probably had a cross out front <laughs> and uh, had a bell. I remember the bell. And I'm following music going, you know, I, I didn't know what a church was at that time, so I went into the building. I didn't know. I, if I knew, I probably wouldn't have went in, but I went into the building and uh, there was a band playing. I think it was Love Song. It, it was a band. And they were playing up front and... Uh, and I still didn't realize where I was. But the closer I got to the building, uh, uh, the less effect uh, from the drugs I took. And so by the time I sat down in the back pew of this, what I now know as a church, and this band was playing, I was completely there and aware and going, what, what were this, this music is so good, you know? And, and then, you know, music went on and on, and then I heard, Jesus, you know, in the music, I'm going, oh, okay, you know? <laughs> Interesting, why would a rock band be, 
you know, saying that. And I still didn't get it. And then uh, a person, uh, a young lady sitting next to me, uh, just, I don't know when she arrived there, but she was sitting next to me. And she leaned over and whispered in my ear all the horrible things that I had done that were in my heart that no one else knew. No one knew. No one. And so now I'm in a state of shock. I'm definitely not tripping anymore. I'm just in a state of shock. And then I'm looking at her, and she dissipates. And right at that moment, a guy gets up from the, this band, and he's talking about Jesus, and you need to receive Jesus Christ, and, and you need to ask him into your heart, and you're going to die in your sin in this girl had told me all this stuff that was in my heart. I go, you know, so I, whoa, you know, and, and then me, you know, and, and uh, I, I received the Lord, and then I left. Uh, I became a believer at that moment, had my sins washed away right in that moment. But it wasn't until three years later, sitting in solitary confinement at the county jail, that I made the decision to follow Christ. So I went from a believer to a follower, but it was a three-year journey. And a lot of stuff has happened since then. So if you're in the place of your believer, thank God, you know, uh, uh, the next step in your journey is for to become a disciple, a follower of Christ. And that's led me many places. You can uh, actually, my wife and I have a, uh, what do you call that thing? A family thing on the bulletin board back then uh, in the back and I also just posted actually the new magazine for Voice of the Martyrs if you're uh, interested in, in, uh, in that. Uh, so I would encourage you on your journey. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer for others, you know, to, to, to walk that. But there's a big difference between a believer and a disciple. You know, the, the disciples were with Christ for three and a half years. And they, it, their journey took time to go from a believer to a disciple, to a follower of Christ. Okay? This room is filled with transformation stories. And, uh, you know, where Michael's story continues is that He's looking at significant time in jail. Kind of makes a vow to God, if you get me out of here, I'll serve you. And the next day the judge pulls him out and says, you're too young to stay in jail, you need to enlist. So he gets in the military and uh, from there gets discipled because he has his opportunity through the Calvary Chapel churches uh, in particular, we're doing a tremendous job of that in those days. Um, and then, of course, he and Denise were 20 years in the Philippines and continue on now, and we hear their stories regularly. But I wanted him to share because a lot of you didn't know the beginnings and the roots. Uh, you know, you just see this missionary, and, well, it started like, like everyone else. You know, where God worked a transformation, and... Uh, what we see is a cleaned-up version of what was uh, significantly different. I want to go back to Acts. 
for just a, a couple minutes. Because Peter has seen Christ resurrected. He's seen him ascend to heaven. They are told to wait and pray until the Holy Spirit comes on them. And then they have this powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. It spills out into the street, and, and uh, he's left trying to explain what's going on. And he makes these declarations. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So he's not letting anyone off the hook, but he's just saying, this guy walked among us and there were powerful things that went with his life and transpired through him. He says, but through God's plan, he was crucified. And... uh, It says, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. So that's the incredible thing. There was a resurrection, came back to life. And so they're they're challenged by it, and they say, well, what do we need to do? And he says, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So about 3,000 of them respond to this message. And it says of them, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers, and awe came on every soul. All who believed were together and had all things in common. Later it says, Day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor all the people. In other words, they responded to this resurrection and said, okay, we're in. And then their lives took on a devout form where they are participating in the things of God. And the Holy Spirit is guiding their steps. They're responding to Him. And there's a transformation taking place. Colossians says this, As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith. Hebrews says it this way, Since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So in the Easter message, just simply put, we associate the death on the cross with payment for our sins. But then also, this day, we acknowledge the resurrection. The one who had power over death came back to life. Something that none of us can do. And yet, in that knowledge is the thing that if he had that power, he was who he said he was, and he has declared that our sins will be forgiven as we call upon him and walk by faith according to his steps. What a privilege that is. So I encourage you, 
in this Easter season, and as we recover this tradition, so to speak, and knowledge, and again say, this was a powerful, powerful time. I encourage you, yield your life to Christ. Respond by faith in Him. Allow your sin to be washed away. Cling to the hope of eternal life in Him. I love this Hebrews passage because it says he endured the cross. You know, he, he put up with it, so to speak. A miserable experience. Horrific experience. In fact, when he calls us to carry our cross, he's saying there's going to be complications in your life even as a result of this participation in the kingdom. You, he's not offering you a completely easy life. It's not it at all. He endured the cross, despised the shame. In other words, a lot of what was going on is, this is wretched. But then it says, for the joy set before him. In other words, he knew there was more than just the complications and trouble. He had that distinct hope of resurrection even as he endured and we carry that in our lives as well. As we embrace the kingdom of God, we pick up the cross ourselves. We say, whatever you desire, I'll walk in obedience to you. Whatever you ask of my life, that's what I'm willing to do. Whatever you call me to, that's what I'm participant in. Because there is a joy set before me knowing that I'll be united with you. And the resurrection that was exhibited through Christ is going to be exhibited in my life as well. Wonderful, wonderful thing. There was a man named Chuck Smith who eventually founded the, the Calvary Churches. Um, he was out in California pastoring a church, uh, really got frustrated with it, went to another place, and uh, God used him powerfully. And thousands of hippies... <laughs> got saved. Um, you know, that it's far enough past that it happened before most of you were born. But uh, what transpired, and, and even what, uh, and we're not a part of the, Pente or the Calvary churches, so uh, this isn't a plug for them or whatever. It just, it's a, it's a fascinating history where uh, even the, really the first Christian uh, Rock bands came out of that. Love Song, the one he mentioned. I remember as a kid uh, in college going to one of their concerts, and you know, in the middle of it, there was a 20-minute drum solo, and I was just blown away. It, it, I'd never heard anything quite like that in, in a Christian setting. And it, it was just a, and a powerful encounter with the Lord through it. And, but I remember Chuck Smith used to teach for two hours at a, a crack, and he'd teach out of the Old Testament, he'd teach out of the New Testament, and he'd just systematically walk through the Scripture. And uh, these lives that were completely messed up, I mean, Michael's is just one of the stories, but we're talking thousands of people were coming to the Lord through it. And, uh, you know, we look at our culture, and it's a relatively dark day, and we're in need of a similar thing to happen again. Uh, it can that's something that we need to keep in mind, that uh, the power of God is capable of breaking into any generation. 
And I'm convinced every generation gets an opportunity. That there's a voice that goes out that um, cries out and says, there is hope. And as people respond to that, there are incredible changes that take place. And so I'd encourage you, you know, just to continue to cry out and say, Lord, you see our situation. You see the need of our culture and society. And we cry out to you and say, visit us again. And uh, we pray for a day like that. There's a phrase declared around the world on this day, and I'd be remiss if we didn't use it ourselves. I'll tell you, he is risen. 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 He is risen.